The Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand Series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach to advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Welcome, everybody. This is Jason Smith, and welcome to the Rainmaker Multiplier Podcast. Today, I have my good friend, Richard James. So uh, I'm over here in Ohio. He's over in Michigan, but we're actually good friends, even though college football would say we're not supposed to be. <laughs> How you doing, Richard? Great. Yourself? Awesome. Awesome. So uh, Richard is... Uh, He's a rock star. He's a fellow $100 million club member uh, with myself, uh, my, uh, my practice, JL Smith, and um, really done some great innovative things. He's the founder of Financial Services of America. So a uh, holistic planning financial services practice that is just crushing it, doing a lot of business. And, and really, um, the reason I invited Richard to, to join today is because he has gotten down the acquisition of tax practices down better than anybody that I know. And so um, I'm proud and humbled to say that we played a role in that and, you know, inspiring the, him to get into the tax preparation model as a way to enter a profitable lead generation solution that can generate a lot of financial services business for your firm. But um yeah, thanks for joining us today, Richard. Thank you for inviting me. I look forward to it. Yeah, and let's, uh, you know, Richard, talk, let's talk about, you know, you have, uh, um, I think you still own the nonprofit organization, right? Yes, sir. Yep, which was a huge part of how you were getting in front of people and using a call center to get your financial advisors. Um, and Richard, you have, uh, how many lead financial advisors and then, you know, you have support advisors helping them too. Like, just give everybody a little bit of an idea what your team looks like. We have uh, what we call the mastermind that's uh, made of nine uh, head um, lead provider uh, agents or advisors. They are um, been all with me for over 15, all the way up to 32 years. And they are probably do about 80% of all the business that's generated in our firm. Then we have what we call the junior agents who take care of our process of servicing the lower end clients. As you know, you introduced me to Pareto program. And so we followed that and graded our company clients from AAA down to D. And so the D and C clients are now being serviced. And then we have put together teams. So there's a, what we, you call a hunter and I call a hunter out looking for clients that a person who will put their the case together and then we have the person who's a rainmaker that go out and earn the right to represent the client. So we have really two diff different paths inside the organization and they get to choose which path they want to build and follow. And so it's uh, paid really great dividends. Excellent. And, you know, your nonprofit, Richard, was generating a lot of opportunities, I know. Um, and it was, uh, you had a call center calling the nonprofit. It was a way to basically get in the door as well as I believe the the uh, PNC agency have 
building the relationships and then be able to introduce financial services. And then um, we had been doing that for years through the Medicare division, through the tax division. So we had some commonalities when we first met, like you were doing it one way, uh, you know, through the nonprofit and through the home and auto, we were doing it through the tax practice and the Medicare. And then ultimately the call centers, you kind of experienced a little of those drying up a little, right? The opportunities, because do not call list. Yeah, we had uh, one time almost uh, 4 million people on our call list. And uh, each two years we'd buy a new call list. And here in Michigan, it got down to a little less than 600,000. And so before the uh, world changed, the pandemic came, that year we did 1.2 million phone calls out to the consumer. So we had a pretty elaborate process to generate activity for our sales force through the call center um, to generate opportunities for our financial planners. And now though, Richard, let's talk about the present and let's specifically talk about the tax practice. We could have a whole nother conversation about the Medicare business yeah. um, and maybe we will do another podcast there. That's how I cut my teeth actually believe it or not, knocking doors, selling Medicare supplement home health care policies. And then I figured, hey, it's, there's more money and, 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 and this is more fun to sell life insurance and annuities. And, and then I, I would bring in MedSup agents that I would deliver their policies and then sell annuities and life insurance. And so we, yeah, there's a whole nother story there, but let's talk about the tax practice, right? And actually, Richard, how did you start? Didn't you start out on the insurance side too? Yeah, I started, it was called a debit agent. Most people don't even know what that is. Wow, yeah. You went out and collected premiums on a weekly or monthly basis from your clients. You got to pay the percentage of the revenue you collected. So yeah, that was, uh, I'm older than you, my friend. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, all right. So anyway, I keep zooming back to the past. Now, so let's go to the present. So tax practices, how many have you bought now so far and over, over what period of time? Um, well, we built our own tax practice through the years, right? So we had uh, a little over 11,000 tax returns we were doing as an organization. And that was just servicing our existing client base. Just another way to capture and make sure they would stay with us. But I went to an actuary meeting um, and a individual made a statement that I heard. He said, buy the firms that have the clients that you want. And when I heard that, I thought, well, how simple can that be, right? So I always looked around and said, okay, what was the best relationships people had? And if you ask most people, the relationship that's the, uh, one of the more important ones, and matter of fact, uh, probably the one they have the most trust with is with their CPA. So it naturally indicated that I should go down that path and look at purchasing those. So starting uh, three years ago, uh, we started to go and look at and learn how to build a team of people to find a firm for us, to then purchase the firm and then bring that firm into our processes. We purchased seven firms in the last three years. Um, last year, though, we uh, purchased and acquired 7,000 new clients through the tax program last year alone. Wow. And, and so when, when acquiring a firm, what, you know, what do you look for? What are the factors or, you know, that help you decide whether you should or shouldn't? Um, some simple fundamentals, obviously, making sure the company that you're purchasing is a profitable entity, right? So it, my goal when I purchase it is that I put down 20%, uh, the person who owns the firm, they get financed 20%. 
and I borrow 67% from a bank. So everyone is involved in it and they're committed. I purchased ones that the owner is going to stay with me for at least two years because that math means I get to pay the loans off in that two-year period. And so there's no financial risk to me or to my company by purchasing their firm. And what you find out, most accountants want to still be doing work with their clients. They just don't want to do the business any longer. And if that was the perfect niche for me, I'm a businessman. I can run the business. I don't want to be with clients. So it was a perfect match for both of us. Then and uh, internally, though, I'm looking for something that's about a 60-40 split. 60% of his personal returns and 40% of the revenue is coming from uh, uh, trust returns or corporate returns. So when I hire the person who's going to replace the current owner, there's a revenue stream all year long and keep them busy all year inside the organization. So those would be the major things that I look for when I look at purchasing an accounting firm. Excellent. And then, um, Richard, what's the, how do you come up with a multiple on the gross revenue or is, is that how you do it? And the gross revenue, yeah. And what is really unique here in Michigan, and I'm only going to speak for Michigan, it is a very consistent number. It's one, between 1.25 and 1.5 is what they ask for. And what was unique and what I experienced so far is I've never, ever been the highest bitter. They came and did service and wanted to do business with someone that was going to take care of their clients. They were not motivated by just a capital loan. So I, every firm I've bought has never ever, I've been outbid by every single one of those offers, but they chose our firm because of the holistic process that we've created with obviously your service and help that they see that that client's going to be better taken care of than just having an accounting firm or an insurance agent just buy it. They wanted to have that client be truly taken care of. And that's great. And then how about, um, do you uh, try to, um, because just to make that um, previous owner, right, who's got the relationship with most of the tax preparation clients, and we know the ultimate goal is to make the, the tax clients, financial services clients, the ones that they're a right fit, right? Um, and so with that being said, do you try to make a, uh, the owner a financial services client as part of the process? So of the seven firms, four of them have given us the capital I paid them and gave it back to us to invest for them. So okay. one of the requirements when we sit down with them is that we have one of our planners go out there and do a full presentation, you know, all the entire process, so they can see all the steps and what's happening for their future clients. Why I do that is because of Don Chamberlain, a part of your company, um, I went to his educational program and he showed me how he has the tax preparer prepare the taxes and then the financial planner deliver the taxes. So I took his idea and so when a person gets their tax return done, when the CPA is done or the tax preparer is done, they walk them over to the next office where my representative is waiting for the client and they introduce themselves and we have what we call a red flag presentation. So we show them some red flags in their tax returns and schedule a meeting in the future because we have obviously got only a small window to meet all the clients that year with that company. Yeah, we're basically the conversation turns from tax preparation to tax planning. How do we do? How do we save money next year and into the future? Yep, yep. and uh, excellent. Use your line uh, that the CPAs and tax preparers are basically history teachers, 
and we need to be planners for the future. That's right. You got it. Yep. And so, so Richard, what is the, uh, like walk us through your process. If you're, you know, first of all, how do you, how do you even find an opportunity and then just, you know, kind of walk us through the process of what it looks like for acquiring a business. There are several different brokerage firms out there that will, and they're specialized in gathering data on just not, uh, accounting firms, but there are multiple of, uh, opportunities. So they can, if you are looking, for example, you wanted to buy a law practice, there's a marketing company out there that established relationships with the people that are looking to sell, and then they bring people together. So we have an organization that we've used, and they, they, we give them the parameters that we're looking for, then they narrow that and find that client for us. And then they send that as information. We then receive all the financial statements from that client to look at it, make sure it's the match of what we're looking for. Then we have opportunity to schedule appointment. Well, we so far, almost every one of them had 20 to 25 people that wanted to meet with them. So we created a package that we sent out to the client, uh, the potential client, the seller of the accounting firm on our services and our philosophy and our processes. And I think that's what gets us the first appointment because nobody else sent them a true package all right, uh, Giftology, the book that you you know of, uh, we follow that process, so it separates us from everybody else. Then once we meet the, uh, the accountant, the first meeting really is to see if there's a fit, right? Because it is because if he's going to work with us and be a part of us for at least two years, it, you have to make sure you're interviewing them. They're not interviewing you, so you're qualifying them, learning about their background, what their average client's going to be like, and have a, a basically a conversation on making sure that they understand your goal as a financial planner and the service you provide. Once um, that has happened, I've only had one person tell me no. The people that I offered to, that told me that they they were not going to sell to me. And that was a mistake that I make. We won't talk about that now. And then uh, once that meeting's done, then you sit down and I bring in my uh, team of people that are going to go across and interview their employees go through their financial statements because that's not where I'm competent at and then make it a, a recommendation to me, Richard, we should go forward or not. Once that's done and we say yes, we then make an offer to the, uh, uh, the accountant. And most of the time there's been no negotiating going on. The number that I offered them and the process that we showed them, they said, yes, Richard, we want to do and have you be the new person to take over our client base. Um, I've never paid more than 1.3% uh, on the, the block of business, one time, excuse me, 1.3 times earnings. That's the highest I've paid. Um, so it is uh, a very simplistic process to go over. I mean, once that's happened, to get them integrated to your company, I really um, follow the down process. I put a person inside the staff. Now, like the bigger firms, though, I put one person in each day. So no, no financial planner was in there for five days or six days in a row. So they would go in on a, each person was assigned on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever it was. They spent, spent 10 hours in there and met all the clients on that day. And then from there, we filtered them out through the Pareto process, determined who would be the right person to go see the client and obviously do the capital that we're looking for. And once that's done, we just keep dripping the campaign on them. And we do with the Pareto process, we mail them out uh, the birthday cards and uh, give them the, a gift once a year. And just like anyone else, service them till they feel comfortable. And Don made a statement, and to make sure everyone hears this, is that it normally takes about two years 
before they're comfortable enough with you to say, yes, here's my financial statement. So you can't have the mindset that, oh, I meet 10 people today. I'm gonna to ask all 10 people for the financial statements. You will fail miserably. Build the rapport, service them, and then make sure they're content and happy. And obviously introduce your new company to them. And then to the next year, service them properly. Second year, our results are far greater than the first years. That's fantastic. That was a great kind of summary of the overall process. And, and what you're describing is some of the things, um, you know, Don and uh, C2P that we teach in the cl tax client conversion and the tax practice builder, some of the different trainings we do. And even the tax management journey is where we teach the tax planning that is so instrumental when you're trying to really utilize tax planning is the transition from tax preparation to tax planning and how that goes hand in hand with having a good, solid, holistic financial plan. And as you know, that a consumer looks at you differently when they see you as a consultant and educating them, not just trying to sell product. So when you're coming across in the path of being a tax planner and giving them information on something you have to do every single year without exception, it really puts you in a different position than most people in our industry. Um, they are not providing the full plan that they should be. Uh, so it, I, to me, it's a, a home run. And more importantly for the, uh, the advisors, it just builds their confidence because they're seen in the light of just not peddling a product, but providing a true service to the consumer. That's yeah, absolutely. And, and I think like whether, you know, the listeners out there, you know, I, I use this terminology and we help advisors in these different areas of you can, when it comes to tax preparation business, because some people like, listen, we should, in my opinion, if you're putting yourself out there as a holistic financial advisor or planner, you better know tax planning, right? And so get yourself educated on that whether it be, you know, joining Ed Slots, a lead IRA advisor group. I'm a member of that. We have a tax management journey training that's fantastic. You know, uh, point of sales ideas, strategies, things to utilize um, in tax planning, uh, coupled with financial planning with your client, but get yourself educated there. But at the end of the day, what we're really talking about is um, you know, you, you need to have that tax planning knowledge to have success, but like, how do you open up the door and find the opportunities to, to, to and, and their tax preparation firms, right? Like, so if you can buy a tax preparation firm, like we're talking about today or build it, which is what Don teaches with our tax practice builder, or you borrow it, right? Like we did that more uh, successfully with a firm we were looking to borrow, uh, buy about an hour from our office. And the guy ended up changing his mind, didn't want to buy it. But you know what he allowed us to do? He let us borrow it. And when I say borrow it, he let us put a sign out front and we did a revenue sharing agreement, 20% of the revenue that we generate um, only on the insurance side. We gave him the option to get licensed or do a revenue share on the, on the investment side. And they decided not to, only on the insurance side, his wife got licensed. And now he opened up his entire database. We market to them. We do educational seminars. We do virtual webinars. And he sends letters out, sent bucket plan books to all, out of all of them. And that model's been around a long time. I mean, listen, like, I think like if you're good 
um, you want to, if you're good at, at holistic financial planning um, and you're good at tax planning, why not um, go out there and, and find tax preparation opportunities that, because that is a natural discussion to go from tax preparation into tax planning. I think the viewers just need to make a decision if what position they want to be in when they're doing the taxes. Are they going to be the owner? Are they going to hire the preparer and just be a preparer? Are they going to borrow, like you said? And that's a choice that they have to make and what they feel best. I, as a business owner, want um, recurring revenue, so my multiplier is higher. So to me, it was a no-brainer. I buy a firm at 1.25 because of the size that I am. That multiplier now goes to at least a three, if not a four. So I'm yeah. in a far greater position. So just, and then I'm more importantly, I'm using the profit of the accounting firm to pay for the company I just bought. So in two years, I'm free and clear and I have a revenue share, a revenue process coming in. So it's, you know, to me, it's a, it's a no-brainer. If, if you want to build a practice, it, uh, if you have that skill set, that's great. If not, go buy one and buy a small one in your first one and learn how to do it properly, and then then expand. Don't, don't you know? I didn't spend. It took me probably I think the third one was when I went over a million dollars, right? So before that, they were all below a million dollars. So it was I. I I was being concerned with my first one. I think I only paid like 350 grand for the first right. one, right? So that's a lot of money. But even if you messed up, you can do the tax preparing with uh, you know just two or three preparers and cover your costs over a, maybe a three-year period at the maximum four years. So it was me a way for me to learn my mistakes I was going to make and not something that was going to hurt my, my end results of my company. Yep. And you know what, too, Richard, like you were a good example where you built it first, you built a firm, and then you went out and bought firms. And I think that, um, I think that that's an important piece of it too, is that, you know, you had some of that kind of tribal knowledge on your team, you know, and to back up in case things don't work out. So, you know, I think I, I've heard of different people um, that have gone down this route and they don't have the backups to do the tax preparation if something goes sideways with one or two human beings. So, I mean, that's definitely something you got to, you know, keep an eye out for. Well, because here in Michigan, it's almost impossible to hire anybody. So we cut back on our um, purchasing this year because our goal was to get four. We only purchased two is because you just can't build a system and without knowing that for sure that you'd be able to hire someone. So you need to make sure that you are looking long-term in this when you're going to purchase one, especially two years sounds long. Two years is a very short period of time to get to a person to replace someone who's been there for 30 or 35 years with these clients, right? So it is your, it's your job to make sure you're looking long-term with that process. And, and Richard just does, we're kind of laying in the plane here. Let's talk about mistakes or, or that maybe you've made, you referenced one before, you're like, we won't talk about that now, but if you don't mind sharing, what was it where that didn't work out and buying that and any other like points, tips, things to you know, look out for, mistakes that maybe you've made that you won't make again that we could keep other people from making if they wanna go this route. Sure, uh, well, the first problem is a pretty, pretty silly one. 
So I was meeting a accounting firm and I wasn't paying attention to what I was driving. And I pulled up and I, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. I have some nice cars. I pulled up with a Rolls Royce and they could never get past the Rolls Royce. They were just dumbfounded that a, a guy was driving a Rolls Royce on his, to meet with a meeting. So I now I own a, a 250 Ford, so a pickup. So now I drive my pickup to those meetings. So I'm not overkilling. So that was just a, me not thinking I should have known better. Uh, but mistakes that I made is that I'm a, a trustworthy person. Do not make the mistake of thinking that they're not trying to hide something in the business proposal. So I had uh, two cases that I walked away from because what I was shown in the original numbers did not turn out mathematically in the end. So make sure you are getting the books audited and you have someone that you can really truly depend on to give you the right information. Uh, the next one was uh, a young lady told me she was um, wanting to retire in a year. And when I interviewed the employees, I found out she had cancer. So that changed that plan very quickly. Now I bought that firm, but I went back to that young lady and said, okay, now obviously I'm got to change my offer to you because I have not replaced you instantly, right? right? So don't always just go in that mindset that everyone's going to be as honest or upfront as you're going to be. Uh, make sure you do your due diligence properly um, and you are prepared to walk away from a deal as you I know you know in negotiation, the moment you're not willing to walk away, you lost. Well, there I've not seen any firm that I was willing to risk my future capital because it was that perfect a deal. Make sure you're always mentally saying there's another opportunity out there. Search and find the one that's best for you and what you're trying to accomplish. Excellent. Well, Richard, so thank you so much for uh, sharing on the podcast today. And we're excited because, uh, you know, we're going to, uh, at Clarity to Prosperity, our process development training coaching company. We're going to work with Richard and get this documented out kind of step-by-step step even further, which you'll, uh, what I found, Richard, in the past is, um, you know, the, the bucket plan, for example. I had it and I was running it with clients and, and, and I was doing it with my team and I had it loosely documented. But once we utilize the instructional design team at Clarity to Prosperity, I'm going way back. Um, it was unbelievable the innovations, improvements, enhancements through that thinking through process. And so I think you're going to enjoy that. And that's what we're going to do with you and get that all documented. And for the listeners, they'll benefit for them that too, because uh, you know you may be able to gain access and and expedite the process of uh, the efficiency of buying a tax practice, if that's what you wanna do in the future. As I referenced before, we do have the tax practice builder, building it from the ground up. Um, you know, my firm, I've been strategic, and you know, I wanna ask you this real quick in closing, Richard. I've been strategically pruning the tax preparation clients that are not good financial clients just in recent years, that, that would not be good potential financial clients. Just because I wanted to stay laser focused on serving the tax, the tax preparation people we do it for could be good financial clients or our current financial clients. Have you ever thought about that um, or have you done that before? 
once I was introduced to Pareto, we evaluated it, but because I'm buying it for the recurring revenue and I'm buying it for the multiplier, it may, because I were each client, we evaluated it. Not if they're good, going to be a good financial planner, but are they going to be able to afford and stay with us long-term? And can we increase our cost of doing business with them? So we'd be a profitable firm. So yes and no. And the same, we are, because I have full-time employees in the accounting firms, I want to make sure that revenue, even though it may only be a hundred or $150 a profit on that tax return, that's still. So again, if you're doing it to market like your program, and you're going to do a tax return for $100. Yes, I agree with that statement. Our average cost is almost $300. So it, it's, a, it's a different a different business model. Right? That's an excellent point. Like if you're building it, like in, in our tax practice, we did discounted tax preparation to get the volume of people through so we could find the financial clients. Now what we've been doing is really pruning down those ones that are not good financial services opportunities, you know, because it's, you know, that's who we're, who we're really looking for is the end game. When you're buying a tax practice, you really can't afford to do that, nor would it make sense to, because it's a standalone profitable business unit, right. just on tax preparation. And one of the things that we see and we ask when we purchase them, how often do they give a raise to the cost of doing business with their clients? And I was surprised that most of them didn't do it for three or four or five years. That's the firm that I don't want. If the clients are not used to getting a six or 7% increase, that means every year I'm going to decrease my profit value. So it was one of the important questions we asked, what is your procedures on a raise to do a tax return? If they say they don't have a plan, odds are they may not be the one you want to look at. Right. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, Richard. This is great. And uh, I will, uh, we'll catch you on a future Medicare podcast. I think that'll be a good conversation of how we're building that business or how we've each built those businesses. And also very similar to the tax model, how we can uh, introduce financial services to those Medicare clients. Look forward to it. All right. Take care, everybody. And thank you again, Richard. Have a great day, everybody. All right. The Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand Series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach to advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit clarity2prosperity.com.